I've got some great news for Football Nation Radio listeners. Our supportive partner, Northern Motor Group, is offering $250 off any in-stock vehicle this end of financial year. That's if you take delivery before the 30th of June. With eight big car brands, MG, Nissan, Kia, Isuzu Ute, Jeep, Ram, Samsung... Peugeot and Pacific Caravans, it's literally a one-stop shop for all your driving needs. Plus, with over 150 quality pre-owned vehicles, Northern Motor Group really does have your next vehicle purchase ready and waiting. Don't wait. Visit www.northernmotorgroup.com.au today. They're in Grimshaw Street, Bandura. And tell them George sent you. LMCT 6595. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Hello and welcome back to another edition of State of Our Football Nation. We were just uh, lucky enough to uh, have a nice, really nice conversation with Pablo. And I've just completely phased on his last name. But Baddison. Baddison, thank yeah, you very yeah. much. And uh, it was a really en- enjoyable conversation. Well, he was unders- back from Thailand where yeah. he watched the, uh, the under-17 um, competition there. And he gave us an insight about uh, the sharpness and the and the quality of the the Japanese that beat us in that quarter final game three one. He uh, also mentioned that there are yeah, some young Australian boys that have got some wonderful skills, but we need a bit more competition, a bit more, yeah. a bit of sharpness, and maybe our coaching staff needs to look at uh, how they put this um, this array of talent together. It's Certainly. all about putting a team to play a particular style of football. But then, then you want the children or the young, the young players, whether it be men or women, um, to um, take the opportunity, take the bit between their teeth, and express themselves. Yes, yeah, certainly. And uh, you've, you've been saying it all year yeah, in competition. No, no, you absolutely. want all the teams you you're watching to express themselves. Yeah, I want them to express and themselves. When they do, and I want you know a, the national identity of yep, the way we play to come football. Straight and I think the the clearest indication of that is when you see these like under seventeen, under yep. fifteen squads play at international tournaments. Do they look like they have an identity of what the, yep. the, the country represents yep. on the football yep. field? And if you don't see it at a younger age, it's really difficult the older these players to get to get them to play a style of football no, that no. works and 100%. harder for us to achieve things. But, you know, we can only get better from here. Exactly. Speaking of better, uh, some better news coming up uh, regards the National Second Division and uh, the chair of the AAFC joins us, uh, Nick Galatas. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks, George. Thanks. Uh, and I and I and I hear that you've scored yourself uh, another entry card. You'll be part of the lineup at Money and Sport on the Gold Coast next week. Yeah, that's right. Um, should be fun. Get away from the office a bit. The Gold Coast. <laughs> Hopefully, it won't rain too much. Now you go. You go. Have you seen the lineup? I have. I don't think I'll make anywhere near the best eleven, George. As usual, it'll be a sub. Yeah, I don't believe that. I think you have an awful lot to say, and more importantly, the timing is right. There's so much going on. Pakura has been telling me uh, over the last few weeks that she's hearing more and more, uh, you know, discussion about the game. She's seeing it, um, you know, perpetuated almost everywhere she goes, and she's flying off to Sydney uh, for the Writers' Festival in the next week or two. So. Yep. The I'll word is the going. word is the action is here. Uh, yeah. the 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 original uh, World Cup Women's Trophy is currently touring Queensland, and you'll probably see it on the Gold Coast. I think 
Um, I think they're going to have it there for a few days. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. When do you arrive, um, Nick? When do you head up to get, the star? Uh, unfortunately, I haven't given myself a lot of time. I get up there on the Wednesday. So I should have a bit of time on Wednesday, George, and uh, hope, uh, Thursday is the um, is the event, so that'll be good. And I don't leave until Friday. And then I'm off to New South Wales, So, uh, and I'll see Pakua there at the Riders yeah. Festival. That should be great as well. Well, let me tell you, you're, you're right in the middle of it. I'm, I'm um, getting ready to watch Australia play France, the send-off game at Marvel. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. we're already told that uh, the record, the attendance record will be broken. We know that the number stands at 36,000 to watch uh, you know, the Matildas play in Australia. We now know that it'll be 40-plus, could well be 50. Yeah. And then, of course, a week later, I think they're playing Ireland in front yeah. of about 91, 92, 93,000. So a lot of records are starting to tumble, uh, Nick, which is very exciting. Let's talk about Money and Sport for just a moment. For those of the people that don't know, Money and Sport has been an annual affair for the better part of the last uh, eight or nine years. Um, uh, it, it, of course, it was uh, suspended uh, during COVID, which <laughs> explains why we haven't seen too much of it. Uh, much, much of the uh, major corporate businesses, uh, you know, was on uh, on hold for two or three years during COVID. But we've got international guests. We've got some of the best speakers who know not only the business of sport, but are representing some of the biggest codes in the world from all over the world. And you'll be right in the middle of it. Um, what will you be talking about, Nick? Well, can I say, George, just uh, well, obviously football will be the focus and NSD will be the focus, but yep. a bit more than that, I hope, because I'm involved in, in sport in a slightly wider way than that in my capacity as um, as a lawyer and in sports law. But obviously, uh, my main involvement to date has been in um, in you know football and the national second division. So yep, yep. I'll leave that to what the guys want to discuss. But can I say, in support of what you've just said about money in sport, that I went to the inaugural one in Melbourne many years ago, and at the old Telstra Dome. Is that the right? Uh, yeah, at the old Telstra Dome, I yep, was there. Yep. And it might have been one or two years before Lou moved it to the Gold Coast, which made it That's slightly harder for yep. when I was flat out back in those days. Uh, and then, as you say, COVID hit. So there's been a gap. So I'm looking forward to going up again. Um, I think it's a great format. Uh, it gives people a chance to speak on uh, official panels and also around the trap, so to speak, and exchange some great ideas. And I think uh, these types of events are very, very important for sport in general and, and football in particular. So I can't wait for it, really. And it's the great. networking too, Nick. It's the networking that uh, that I think is is fantastic. If, you're in the, if your business is sport and you're not a participant – or you haven't managed to get yourself a, uh, a an entry card, you're missing a golden opportunity. Absolutely. I think that's right. I think anyone who's got uh, an interest in the game and sport in general should get up there. And I noticed I that Football Australia uh, are, are going to be uh, right there, front and centre. Yep. Yep, they will. Should be good. Now, what are we what are we hearing? What's the latest, the state of play regarding the national second division? I understand that they're they're trimming the uh, the number of of, of 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 clubs, or is it uh, a, another selection process that we're all going through that we need to know about? Well, it's all part of what um, Football Australia announced um, a while ago, George, back in February. So this is consistent with the original timetable, more or less. Yep. I don't want to you know, get stuck into days and weeks, but more or less for a start next year. So that's still the plan. 
so what, uh, as you might remember, back in February when it was announced, the, um, the EOI, the expression of interest was announced, um, all sorts of clubs applied. Um, FA whittled that down by a little bit only, down to 26 applicants uh, about early May, nearly two months ago now, seven or eight weeks ago. And the next phase was always going to be this phase that started, which is the request for proposal phase, where FA has invited those clubs who um, were in its 26 to um, uh, participate in this next phase. And that's now commenced. So that was commenced about a week ago. Uh, what, what's today, Thursday? Yeah, about, I've lost track of time, George. 29th today. Yeah, so about a week ago, the clubs were notified and that process has commenced where, you know, they're signing some documents and they're, they're um, uh, attending to some requirements of FA so that they can then take part fully in this next phase. Um, FA has appointed a consultant um, and to assist FA in this process. So they will assess the applications I don't know if all 26 applicants will, will go ahead. I'm expecting they will until they anyone says they're not. Mm-hmm. And FA will assess it and it will go from there. And hopefully we will have a a, um, a selection process that will pick the best applicants. And uh, also this is the process that based on the applicants, I think we need a bit of work to do still on the design of what this model will ultimately look like. You would have seen in the papers that's not yet absolutely settled. And I think... Um, logically, uh, FA will take into account um, the capability and availability of applicant clubs to settle that final model. Uh, and you know, and um, uh, yeah, so that's what it's up to at the moment. Nick, I was just wondering, with the obviously the, this next phase, is there a number in which FA are th- they're thinking about this is the amount of clubs that will be sustainable for this to be a viable option, like with the money involved and also not having too many clubs where the competition just becomes a little bit too muddled, but also not having too little amount of teams. Is there a number that there you there's um, kind of worked on? The Cinderella comp, um, look, <laughs> obviously, they've mentioned eight in the past as a minimum, but look, obviously with a number of applicants, there will be more than that in my view. I mean, I, I don't know obviously who's what, what it would look like, but if um, I have talked, I think uh, I think publicly anywhere between ten to sixteen. Yes, correct. So yeah. we're, we're hopeful. I mean, I'm, I'm personally hopeful it'll be closer to sixteen than ten, twelve to fourteen. Obviously, to have a competition, if you play each other twice, let's say, you know, we know what the numbers are. If you've got fourteen, it's twenty six games. That would be great. Twelve, twenty two games, um, so that you want enough games for that for uh, what we all expect will be initially young squads and young players getting goes at playing at this level. And you started out talking under 17s and what Pablo was talking about and, you know, good for young players coming through. So we're hoping for a good comp that might last 22 to 26 weeks. And that's what we're looking at at the moment. It's interesting. You talked about uh, the under 17s there, or you, or you mentioned it. Um, some of that football was very exciting. Uh, the, yeah. the Japanese showed us yet again, uh, how well versed they are in these, in this modern uh, form of the game. They play it uh, fast. They play it uh, with uh, real flair and poise. That's the thing you see on almost all their faces. They seem to know what they're going to do next, where some of our, our, our players, and, and admittedly some of our boys who were only 15, you could see they're still finding their feet in international competition. Mm. Um, so uh, for me, there's an enormous amount of talent. We've just got to make sure that uh, we don't get too greedy and we do give them the opportunity 
to not only to blood that talent, but to allow them to find a comfort zone so they can express themselves, which is that thing that, that, that Pakua keeps reminding me. She gets super excited when she sees players have the confidence to express themselves. And that's what, you're, that's what we ask of anyone, don't we? Even in business, you want people, your employers or your employees, to be in that, that lovely space, that, mind, that mindset too, that they're there, you're employing them because they're good at their craft, and then you let them do what they're meant to do. Yeah, that's that to me is always about good business, uh, employing good talent, and then delegating uh, the stuff that needs to be delegated, and then letting them get on with it. And I'd like to see that in our football too. And George, what what was exciting? And I've seen a bit of it, uh, a bit a few of the games. Obviously, like we all are from a distance, and we get to see bits and pieces. <laughs> yeah. and I mean, the, the goal, the goal, for example, that we all we all admire that's made on all the clips and the story of Kunda oh. Cracker against China. Oh. But what, what I loved about it, and I think what's and I and I say this all the time about such goals, and in particular when it's a young player like like the story who scored it, and that yep. is that he actually thought he actually thought he would. It's, the, it's not so much that he... That yeah, he that's good. That's good. To put his foot through it and hit the top corner from whatever it was, city metres. But I'm, I just try to think, what would I have been like at, at the age of 17 where I thought I could receive a ball in that position and think, you know what, I think I scored this. <laughs> um, and, and it just takes a special sort of, I think, self-awareness, knowledge, yeah, confidence, yeah. etc. to not just hit it, but to actually think you might. And I think that that's what's underrated and underestimated. So... Um, to see that was just super exciting. I mean, it just I think any kid seeing that is going to think, geez, I'd love to play and give myself a chance. Oh, yeah. So that's exciting. Uh, but George, you, I just want to say... Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say the second division, though, it's more, it's it's everything. It's what you've said about those young players. That's a given. We want to give as many young guys a chance and, and women, yeah. in, of course, in yeah. the second division, a chance um, to play, which, you know, we can, we can talk about it all day and that's that's a given, as I say, but it's... What also you said before at the beginning about Pakua walk, going around the country and football being spoken about, be it Matildas, be it whatever, the game. Yep. And, I, and what we're hopefully going to achieve is just by creating another national comp, playing when it's going to be played, at, planned at the moment in March, to give us an all-round football discussion in this country, not just A-League, Matildas, W, you know, A-League women's, um, national second division, hopefully women's, just create that conversation, that continuity of conversation. When if you if we didn't have the the Matildas this year, as we thankfully we do in the World Cup, but you take that out of the equation, and there's no second division talk, the A League's in hibernation for six months, effectively or whatever it mm, is. Mm. We don't get that continuity of discussion. So hopefully this country will, and the participants that are involved, we keep talking about the 2 million participants, but the participants, the viewers, the, the competitions, if we grow those um, and we have that conversation, then you get a momentum of its own. We don't have to worry about creating it. It will happen. So that, no. that's part of what we hope to achieve. No, you're absolutely right. The, the, genesis, the genesis is the discussion going on right now. Once the competition gets underway, it's a unique opportunity for each and every club to embark on a journey – and it'll be history. This is something else we need to remember. I can remember, I'm old enough to remember the early days of the Phillips League and how exciting that was. I even, I'm even i even old enough to remember the Ampole Cup in the original stages and, and Pakua's looking at me and going, Ampole Cup, what are you talking about? But hmm. they were super exciting. And this is, this is where things get truly immersive. 
if you follow them and if they're your, they're your, they're your team or your club, uh, you, you, you can't let it go. That energy seeps into every pore, doesn't it? Um, can I just tell you, can I tell you how excited I am right now? Because there's a young guy called Ange Postacoglu who's reached a level of um, international renown that Australia is going to be on everyone's lips every day of the next EPL season for only one reason. There's an Australian there making a noise and half of his staff is going to be Australian. Miller Yedda. Can you imagine um, how much talk there will be in, in every element of our media over the next EPL season? No, it's unbelievable. And and, and you know what? There's a is that South Melbourne will get a few mentions. Do you think? Oh, the odd mention here and there. I think. Uh, No, 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 Uh, no, no. The the reason I mention that is because they're going to be one of the clubs pitching for the national second division. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So now suddenly we have this wonderfully woven thread that begins Mm. there and runs all the way to the EPL. And what um, there's a lot of a lot of things you've touched on there, George. But one one of them is that um, I mean, Ange's journey has been one of continuity oh. and an incremental achievement, and oh, everyone yeah. forgets. I mean, if you're looking at when uh, he was here 14, 15 years ago, before he got the Brisbane Raw job, yep. having come back from overseas, yep. nobody then would be predicting where he'd be now. And I, I use him as an example to say to my daughter and others, and say, don't look at thirty years from now or twenty. Just look at it step by step. Look Correct. at what you can achieve next. Correct. And part of that is, of course, the clubs themselves that we're talking about, the second division clubs that are coming through and applying, they've done the same. They've hung in there. A lot of, I mean, South Melbourne you use as an example, and I obviously know South very well, having been a chairman there for many years. And that, you know, that club came out of the NSL, uh, finding its way in what was the VPL, then the NPL, uh, and is still there. And it's, it's just working away through the steps, through the process. And that's just how it works. And you get to, you get to be available and be ready to take the next opportunity. And that doesn't happen if you're not there and you're not surviving. And I think with the clubs, that's what they've demonstrated. I think one of the stories that will come out of this at the end, George, when it's all done and dusted and we're looking back on it, I want to say two things about it. One is the fact that these clubs that we're now relying on, and I've made this point publicly time and again, um, have survived a very, very difficult arid, if I can say, period. Yes. Where... They've had a ceiling. They've been told where they are. They've been placed in a box, mm. and nevertheless, they're still here. And now we're relying on them. That's and the right. other thing I want to say in connection with that, and this is the historic part, and I think again, perhaps it hasn't yet hit people, but they've they've come together um, as what we've termed our partner group as part of AAFC. That's a bunch of them that you know we've had thirty odd in our group. But of the twenty six uh, applicants that you've seen now. If you include the three or four South Australian teams as part of the FSA bid, uh, there's about 24 of those clubs or 25, or give or take, are our members. Nearly all of them um, are our members. And what they've demonstrated is an ability to cooperate and collaborate to achieve this. Now, I reckon this is a historic first. The, yeah. the game is, has, is unfairly maligned with clubs accused of you know, acting in their own interest and not being collaborative and not being supportive of the game. Tell me another time and another set of clubs anywhere who have come together from their position they've been in and stuck together for years through this process to see this through, knowing, this touches on Papua's early question, knowing that most of them, in fact, at least half of them, aren't going to be in the starting lineup, so to speak. 
right? So you've got 26 of them there, 27, 28. You might have a comp of 12 to 14. So say half won't start. And yet here they are cooperating together, working together to design the best possible model for all of them. And a lot of them are going to say, right, we're not going to start, but we'll get promoted into it later. Now that I think is exemplary. Mm. And it, a time will come when everyone will look back and understand it. I don't expect them to understand it now because they're not as involved in it as I am and I can see it. But that's been the most heartening thing. And I think when the time will come when people are going to look back and say, geez, it was those 20 or 30 clubs that got together and pressed this and advocated for it and created, really made it policy at FA and then are working now to make it happen. When it happens, when it succeeds and they've got a great competition up and going three, four years from now, we've got a unified game, that's when I think people will realise the the magnitude of what these clubs have achieved. And you talk about the unified game because I was going to touch on to this point about I'm assuming the ultimate goal is to have the National Second Division be successful on its own and show that it's a sustainable model and then ultimately create a a more linked up pyramid with with the the A-Leagues and with promotion and relegation because that is the way in which football is ultimately most successful all, all around the world. And you were talking about the these young players, and obviously we're going to see a lot of young players. Is the goal to have young players, but also the right mix of having experienced players, so then the competition is viable and doesn't become cannibalize yeah, itself. It doesn't become uh, just the, the development league, which is important, but it doesn't have enough competition towards those A League clubs. If that makes well, sense. Well, well, interesting ab- thoughts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when I see the young players before, I don't for a minute believe, and it's not, again, it won't be me that picks the team, so I don't know what the club is going to do. Right? But I don't, I don't. I think if you set the right model, the rest will look after itself. Yeah, and no good. Really, we don't need, and I think we had this discussion a while ago when the, um, the second division was being contemplated, before it was announced, and everybody was looking at what its aims are and its objectives, and we spoke then about, everyone spoke then about young players, be it Graham Arnold, you know, our national coach was talking about opportunities uh, to Football Australia, to us, to clubs. But it's not about that many. When you Let's say you've got 12 to 14 clubs and you've got 20 players per club and you've got, what's that, two or 300 players. Of course, they're all going to be young. And you don't need them all to be because we're not going to have that many that need to come through that are champions. I mean, if, some are playing in the A-League, obviously. Some will be playing overseas. Um, and then if we've got the best of the rest who aren't, who aren't getting a game somewhere or you know develop at different rates, that's enough. You don't need to build a team of you know, 17 year olds. This is all about having a commercial viable competition which fans will go and watch and enjoy. And the quality needs to be decent. And that means, as you said, Pakua, a mix of players. Mm. And there's 25, 28, 30 year olds, and the young players benefit from them. You, you, know, you need them in the dressing room, you need their experience, their know how. And it's not about just getting kids playing together because then they don't develop. So you, you need th- those kids, the best of them with the experienced guys next to them, so to actually test them and help them develop. The voice of reason, uh, Nick Galatas, the uh, chair of uh, AAFC, uh, getting ready to head off to the Gold Coast uh, to be part of... my car, George, the voice of reason. To be part of the new money in sport uh, sports conference happening at the Star Casino on the Gold Coast. Uh, I think it's the 7th of July. Listen, have a wonderful time. Uh, some of us uh, have other commitments that won't allow us to get up there. Um, you know, when when this uh, money in sport was first announced, uh, I, Lou reached out to me and said, will you come up and host it? I said, of course I will. 
And of course, since then, things have changed. Uh, but mate, I've seen the lineup, and I'm super excited. Um, I'm delighted you're getting up there. Uh, please enjoy it uh, and bring back some good news. And we'll get a chance to debrief uh, a little bit later on. But all the very best. Thank you for making yourself available for today. Um, Any time we can update the um, FNR audience as to what's happening with the National Second Division, we will do it. And uh, once again, thank you for reminding us about where the stories start and, and what a fabulous adventure lies around the corner. Let's be patient. Let's get it right. And let's get it going. Okay. Thank you both. Enjoy. All the very best. Nick Galatas on FNR.